Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. Imagine that you're working on the line, or you're a bartender, or a dishwasher, a server, at a restaurant right here in the city, or somewhere else in the state of Georgia, and an accident befalls you that's very unfortunate, but you are now incapable of working. And seeking support is not always something that comes to all of us as available knowledge. Enter Giving Kitchen. Jen Heidinger Kendrick and Brian Schroeder are part of this wonderful organization that supports food service workers all over the state of Georgia with a network of stability and grants for times of crisis in their lives. And the organization is based right here in the city, and I had a chance to sit with both of them and hear their individual stories and the story of how Giving Kitchen came to be. And we laughed a lot, which is always nice. So here's Brian and Jen of Giving Kitchen. Do you ever joke around that people mispronounce your name because they didn't use a Y? That's oh, just a fun dad that's joke. That's a good one. Yeah. And as a new dad, I need to... Oh, you're a new dad. Yep. Congratulations. Six, we have a six-month-old. Oh, my goodness. You're you're in what I would call the shit right now. Oh, uh, we're in the golden phase right now. Well, golden so we're phase, in the shit. It is, yeah. But, but it's, it's like the good shit. It's yeah. just you are the busiest... I think you'll be with like a baby. Yes. Like it's just you're sitting up, you're eating or starting to maybe. Starting know. to. What's nice yeah. about right now is we can sit her somewhere but she can't crawl yet so i think we have this three-week window while she's not crawling yeah that we can just oh park the baby over there (laughs) that was like my favorite joke of like my i would sit my son up and just like don't go anywhere and i would come back and i was like you literally can't that's fine i went i went in yeah you can use the restroom or you know change clothes if you need to but um yeah it's nice when they're immobile but um she loves i mean jumping kicking I and mean, she's going to be mobile in no time. Yeah. Like she is a bouncy movie baby. Yeah. If you have one of the babies that uh, starts walking and running before their first birthday, my mine didn't do that, but I've known a lot that do. So, I mean, hopefully if that is you good, good luck. I mean, congratulations again, yeah. but you know, good, good luck. luck and good luck. I mean, we're yes. just, if, it, if she runs away, it's fine. <laughs> if she comes back, Miles it's her choice. Yeah. yeah it's exactly. Kind of a, you know, it's what you do with babies. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sitting here in the, this is hilariously beautiful, by the way. I've actually not been in this like office before. So sitting next to beautiful photography and a jukebox of all things, I'm here at the Giving Kitchen's office, but we're going to say we're, I'm at Giving Kitchen. How giving we, Kitchen. Welcome to the Giving Kitchen. Welcome to the Giving or Kitchen. Or welcome to Giving Kitchen. Welcome to Giving Kitchen. And the jukebox works. Play, mm-hmm. if you want some intro music, we can always... That's Pick great. A song. I'll make sure that it's something that I don't have the rights to, and I'll just rip it <laughs> Perfect. like perfectly. But but Brian and Jen from Giving Kitchen, welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. How in the world are you guys? So well, yeah, thank you for wonderful. having us. <laughs> this is awesome. Seriously, it's such an honor to sit with you guys, and I'm really excited to hear your individual stories, and then especially as everything pertains to Giving Kitchen, because you guys have been consistently busy and doing amazing things just over the years. And we're going to get into all of the background. We're going to, we're going to, um, you know, hear about some pretty crazy, awesome things that you guys have going on. I mean, we're, we're what the 10th of April right now. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, everyone can read, but you know, you guys being (laughs) the recipients (laughs) of a James Beard award for giving kitchen is amazing. And we're going to get into that. So, um, yeah, we have a lot to cover, but 
I want to get to know you guys just a little bit before we get into all of that. So we are going to go with Jen first. So you get the first question that every guest receives on the Atlanta Foodcast. You have to tell me who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she? Fantastic. I love this question. Um, I feel really lucky to have a, um, a Spanish mother. Uh, she's from Spain and moved over here when she was about 24 years old. And, um, as I was growing up, I fondly and vividly remember, um, home cooked meals from scratch every day around the dining room table. Saturday nights were always family game nights. Um, and I remember being as a kid, you know, I was an incredibly picky eater. I'm definitely not that way now. Um, and so it, took some time to get used to kind of all of the culture that she would bring to the table. But I know looking back that that was, um, a fantastic foundation for me. Um, and then when I met my late husband, Ryan, him being a chef that really kind of took my appreciation for what I knew food, uh, could do as far as, you know, bringing community together. Um, but then I really learned the nuances and the finesse and the flavors and then how it could just kind of explode and become something more, uh, when I was introduced to him. Yeah. Where was home? I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I've been to Indianapolis a handful of times. It's actually a beautiful city. What do we call it? We call Indianapolis the Midwest, right? We do. We I do. mean, yes, we say well, I mean, I say we. I'm just saying like all I, of us, right? Yes, the people. Yeah, yes. The people. people. I say it's Royal the Midwest. Yeah. Yes. It's the home <laughs> the of, the, like of the Indy 500, which I try to go to every other year. My dad and my mom are huge fans. I've been to 40 some races and yeah. I've got a corn tattoo on me. So I'm definitely yeah. a Midwestern. That's very Midwestern. Yeah. That's a, that's pretty Badass Midwestern, though. So. Yeah. And for your listeners who can't see, it's a K-O-R-N tattoo, actually. It's the, oh, it's okay. the full band. <laughs> that makes way more sense. Yeah. Remember when corn was really popular? <laughs> like, people are listening. Oh, yeah. I think I had a lot of friends who listened to, like, corn and <laughs> Limp Biscuit and, like, just Could bands. Ben, don't lie. That's great. Yeah. We know that was your, those were your favorite bands. Sorry, let me rephrase that. I had a really strange childhood. Um, but, uh... But that's really cool. And this is somewhat of a non sequitur, but the Indy 500 or just Indy racing Mm -hmm. is actually badass. It's very badass. It is some seriously cool shit if you have not been. Yeah. And I would have to say for any of those who would like to attend one time in their life, turn four is particularly the best area to be. Because turn four statistically You can see the straightaway. You can see that third turn. It's just kind of where all the fantastic action is, in my opinion. Surprise. We're actually going to spend about 38 minutes talking about the (laughs) Indy 500. So... Um, don't know if you guys are prepared for that, but, um, that but took yeah. a turn. buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Buckle up. We can come up with a lot of other fun things, but, uh, that's really cool. And we actually, uh, somewhat kindred spirits. I was an extremely picky eater growing up. Mm-hmm. Both my parents are chefs and I was a nightmare. That's fascinating. <laughs> so, but if I, if I had a grandmother or a mother who was from Spain, I think in my adult life now, I would look back and be like, I don't know how good I had it. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's really cool. Special. Yeah. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. So, and Brian. Yes. Who cooked for you growing up, and what kind of cook was he or she? Um, it was a tag team effort. So my story, and this kind of leads into a little bit of uh, how I got here and my background. Um, my mom and dad opened a restaurant when I was three days old. Wow. So and this I, is not to interrupt no. you, but even though I just did, that's so terrible. Hey, wait. I'm, I'm the worst hey. host. Goodness. Hey, Shut up, Ben. Uh, but that actually is answering another question that I really <laughs> wanted to throw at you. Like, tell me about your family's deli, Brian. Yeah. So that's so great. I'll say this. So this, this story, I was the impetus for the restaurant really getting off the ground. My, my mom, who was uh, 20 at the time, found out she was pregnant and was like, well, we're going to get married. And two, you're going to stop selling nachos and sandwiches out of the back of this bar and you're going to open a restaurant. 
And um, this was in Rome, Georgia. And so there was really like one bar in downtown Rome at the time. Uh, my dad had uh, kind of a late night operation. I think he was doing it just for fun. And he had worked in several different restaurants. He was passionate about food and passionate about cooking and um, opened. A, I mean, people told him it was suicide, financial suicide. There's no way this restaurant would be successful in downtown Rome. Who opens a restaurant in downtowns anymore? This was in 1981. And through really you know, sheer force of will and, and passion and creativity, Schroeder's is still a restaurant open today, 38 years later. That's awesome. Um, when, so when it opened... I mean, my mom fed me for like the first year. Let's give her the credit, but it wasn't High five know, to moms. home cooking. Yes. Um, and then for both my parents, I mean, they're both great chefs. They both cook very differently. Uh, my mom, a lot of times cooks on the weekends or does biscuits and uh, some of the more kind of home cook staples. My dad's the kind of chef who you could just give him a refrigerator full of food and without looking at a recipe is, um, has made up some kind of crazy pasta dish with spices and pecans and broccoli and, um, so for, for me growing up, um, food was, it was important, but the lesson that I learned and kind of what has gotten me to this point um, was the service piece. Uh, both my parents, when you, if you boil down what they do for a job, is about service. And so for my dad, I think what his favorite moment of the day was after the first uh, big rush was through, the tickets were all off the line, tables were getting ready to clear, he would take his apron off and walk to the restaurant and, and be with people. And for my mom, uh, not long after Schroeder's got up and going, she uh, was able to go back and get her undergraduate and then finally a master's degree in library science. And so she's a teacher. She does some classroom work and also teaches in the, in the library as a media specialist. And you know, for her, that education is, is her service. That's her vocation. And, you know, both of them are, are a big influence on my life. Yeah. It's so cool that you have that in your background of watching your parents cook for other people of, right. of all backgrounds. And and it was, I mean, that's where I grew up. It's where I learned a lot of my positive traits and terrible traits. Um, I mean, look, you're, we all know if you're a 13 or 14 year old growing up in a restaurant, your heroes are the, the prep chefs and the line cooks. Yeah. Those are not good role models for children. <laughs> Um, <laughs> check out, the way, all the time. Sometimes, yeah. check out the way that I learned how to use uh, a Zippo lighter yes, today. It yeah. was, there was a lot of that. Um, yeah. and so for me, um, you know, gr it, it was a great primer for the wonderful parts of food service and the terrible parts of food service. Um, I remember the first time my mom just openly weeping and it was around being too sick to go to work. Mm. Um, and, and we were a family of modest means and, um, you know, this wasn't like my dad's second career. He didn't leave a job at the bank to go open a restaurant because he was, uh, you know, wanted to get out from behind a desk. This was our only shot. So we were a long shot entrepreneurial family. Um, I, you know, so a lot of that informs uh, my work at the Giving Kitchen today. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I, um, both of my parents, you know, from a very early age, I remember them running uh, essentially what was the equivalent of Meals on Wheels in wow. our little hometown in Kansas. Mm -hmm. So not too far mm -hmm. from Indianapolis. I mean, I guess maybe a little bit further than, you know, you're not walking there, but, um, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, not too far from Missouri, you know, mm -hmm. but um, in this tiny little town in Kansas and they worked so hard out of our home kitchen and then the church kitchen, giant stock pots of, you know, whatever, you know, and mm -hmm. then pot roast and rolls wow. and just stuff. And then they were putting it in styrofoam 
you know, containers. And then we were driving it to people's homes and it was amazing to, to just have those memories of, mm-hmm. and then thinking about it in your, cause you never think about it when you're a kid, you know, you're just wondering like, when can we go get like McDonald's or Dairy Queen? And yeah, I don't really appreciate, you know, hard work in the yeah. kitchen, but, the um, but then like seeing how they were serving people, you know, and they mm-hmm. continue to do that like throughout their entire lives. So but um, but that's really cool. I, yeah. I think it's so cool that the that Schroders is still open to. I it love is still, that. and to answer your question, is it is like a um, almost like a lighter, faster mellow mushroom. So the it's a pizza place with a sandwich component, or a sandwich place with a pizza component, kind of depending on what your favorite is. And I think the highest compliment I can pay the restaurant is that uh, 38 years later, it, I am still excited to go eat there, even if I kind of maybe order something off menu or mix ingredients. Uh, that is still an exciting place to go and eat and you don't feel like, Oh my God, I have to go eat at Schroeder's again. That's uh, awesome. and, and it's kind of growing up. It was a, um, um, like a touchstone place for the community. I mean, it's where people went and hung out. It's, it's where everybody goes. The, f- the first place they go when they get back in town. Yeah. Um, that's so, awesome. Yep. Yeah. I've only been to Rome, I believe, uh, maybe twice in my life and I've not been to Schroeder. So now the next time that I'm going to be, let me know, um, we go up together. Yeah, I know. That'd be awesome. We could we'll do, do a mobile a, podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a giving kitchen on the road and we'll, we'll make our destination Schroeder's and it'll be like, uh, Alton Brown's feasting on asphalt, but with two white guys with beards, That's it. you know? So I don't know. I think we look I better than Alton Brown. I like though. the t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> um, but no, thank you guys for sharing some of your background. That's some of my favorite questions to ask because, you know, I, I have so many vivid memories of, of growing up in restaurants and just like you said, Brian, you know, having memories and people who I'm actually friends with on Facebook who were executive chefs or Sue, or they worked on the line or people who just worked in the pastry department with my mom, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was the guy that baked the focaccia, but, and like still knowing those people, you know, I mean, it's, it's cool when you have, you know, people from your, from your childhood that, you know, have so much influence, you know, that you don't even really realize until later in life. So we get really touchy feely here on that. No, we don't anyway. (laughs) Um, but Jen, we're going to, we're going to shift and I want to talk about giving kitchen now. And, um, I guess kind of via staple house. Um, Jen, tell me about staple house, like early days when it was a pop-up with Ryan. Yeah. And in fact, you, you mentioned the whole, um, you know, kind of the delivery service aspect and it, it sparked a great memory of our prelude to staple house days. Uh, we started that my, my late husband and I in our home, um, here close to the office now. And it was back in January of 2009. And we, we really started this as an opportunity for us to get to learn the city and the people in it a little bit differently than we had at, at that, from that point. Um, he was a chef full time. I was not even in the industry. I was a, what I've always called, you know, I fell in love with the kind of from a restaurant kind of owner, quote unquote, perspective, uh, by proxy, because I was a very supportive, loving wife and just was there to support his every move. And he was for me as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we, we, we did that, uh, started January, 2009. We would, we would welcome strangers into our home via, uh, an e-blast that we'd send out. Um, I remember the, the first email that we ever sent out, I sent to about 163 people and most of those people were my friends and family from home in Indy. So I knew that they weren't going to show up eight hours away, (laughs) but lo and behold, we got lucky and a few, um, you know, just acquaintances came and then it just really became word of mouth after that. Um, 
Uh, and it was a really special opportunity for us to ex- to do exactly what we thought was kind of the best approach for us, um, which again was getting to know the people and you know our city and just the culture that that we lived in. Um, and it wasn't until about a year later that we both decided that this could be an opportunity for us to do something together, um, open a restaurant on our own, uh, Ryan and I. Uh, we figured, you know, it'd be kind of a, a neighborhood restaurant, mom and pop, small, and maybe it was a sandwich shop. He, uh, at that time, was also working um, up in Smyrna at Muss and Turner's. Yeah. And, uh, and so he was gaining some valuable experience about from the business aspect of things and already had um, a really tremendous foundation on the culinary side of, of food, working for Bacchanalia and Float Away Cafe here in, in Atlanta as well. And... Um, uh, so about a year later, we decided, let's go ahead and do it. We're going to hire a business planner. We're going to start to look for some spaces. We had already start to, uh, started building um, you know, our foundation of community with these people that would come into our home. Um, and a lot of those people ended up becoming our uh, first initial investors or would open doors for us for uh, you know a certain space or whatever it may be. Um, and... Uh, so that was, it was really amazing. We had the opportunity, uh, a couple years in to shift direction a little bit. Um, so we would host dinners once a week in our home. Um, and during football season, which was incredibly important to those Indianapolis Colts fans out there, <laughs> uh, my late husband was a huge Colts fan. So was I, so am I, um, but during football season, we would completely shift our gears and he would make small batch recipes of soups and jams and things like that. And we would hand deliver them to people all over the city. And that was another way for us just again, to get to, to go learn our, our landscape a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a really fond memory for me because then it provided us a Sunday night free to watch football. That yeah. was the whole point. <laughs> um, and that happened for four years. We, we did this, um, worked tirelessly and just absolutely loved it. Full-time jobs. And that's what we did on our spare time. And four years later is when, um, our kind of unexpected crisis happened. And that was when he was diagnosed with stage four gallbladder cancer in December of 2012. Goodness. And it's, it's so interesting too, because this, this actually is what is the kickoff really, I guess, in, in like what you guys are already doing staple houses. And it's, it's so interesting too, because so long before the, the idea of a pop-up is really just this ubiquitous idea. Mm-hmm. Like what you guys were doing was so much more punk rock. <laughs> I think you know? we, were, we were learning from some really good cities like Seattle and yeah. Portland and New York. And, and it was for, for Atlanta, there was really nothing happening. We yeah. were, were kind of the first doing what we were doing. Yeah. But, um, so you guys are doing this for four years and then Ryan is diagnosed. And then this is really the stage where the giving kitchen really kind of starts to, to take shape or it, it really becomes something where you guys have worked so, so hard at feeding people and establishing community and building community. And then the community comes to you guys. Exactly. Exactly. And it really, truly changed. Um, I always say it changed our lives. It changed Ryan's life and this community saved mine. Um, what, what was really impactful, uh, was within three and a half weeks of Ryan's diagnosis, there was an event um, that now is Giving Kitchen's annual fundraiser. But this very first one, uh, three and a half weeks after his diagnosis, was was put on to aid in his benefit and our benefit. And that was led by um, founding board members, uh, Ryan Turner, Chris Hall, and Todd Musman. Those were Ryan's bosses of, of Musman Turner's. And they essentially what happened is days after the diagnosis, they came over and said, let us help. 
And that is what I believe is what this community, this food service industry does best. We are here to serve um, and and help one another. And so when Team Heidi occurred, uh, it gathered almost 1,000 people in the room, 40 restaurants and bars. There was a live auction that was set up. And again, just a few weeks' time, all of this came together. Mm. And um, $275,000 was raised. And My that goodness. was a pretty huge light bulb moment for this collective group of individuals to say, wow, there is something there. Um, there is something that we could, you know, turn into a nonprofit to help take care of our own. So that's really the moment that Giving Kitchen kind of came to be. Yeah. And and there's there's two kind of parallel stories that, you know, are, are, are I guess are like really happening, like really everything with, with Ryan's diagnosis and community really rallying around you guys. And then Staple House is still, you know, we're planning for this is, this is our future. Like we're going to, let's beat this. And then this is our future. Yeah. And you know, when, when Ryan was diagnosed, the all hope and desire really came crashing down for, for the idea that we had for Staple House. You know, we treated that idea and vision as our child. Mm. Um, we didn't have kids and that was really all we concentrated on. And, um, it, you know, the world kind of went black for us for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thank goodness for this community. And that's why I say they saved my life. I mean, they saved it many times over, even after he died. And, um, you know, we just realized that there was, there was so much, um, gratitude that we had in order to pay it forward. There could be a realization of this, of this restaurant. And, and with the mentorship of Ryan Turner and Chris Hall and Todd Musman is really, uh, when, you know, we realized that Staple House could continue and it could be built, but it could turn into something bigger and better and more purposeful. And that's, that's when the idea for a purpose-driven restaurant came to be. Um, and that's also when the restaurant became a for-profit subsidiary of Giving Kitchen. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, we, I think my, my wife and I moved to Atlanta in 2013. And um, I think a lot, of, a lot of the moment, like our momentum that you guys really had, and then the news of everything happening with Ryan and you guys and Giving Kitchen and... Um, like I was really just learning a lot of the landscape of, of restaurants and dining in Atlanta. And then to, to hear about, you know, this team Heidi thing, you know, it just, it really, it's very, it's very dissonant in the best way. If you're not from Atlanta, like you're learning about these, these people that are just immediately drawn like moth to a flame of Mm -hmm. like, it's all the, the, this is family. Like mm-hmm. this is the only thing that matters right now. And it was amazing to watch all of this just unfold. And we were so new. Yeah. To I love, I love hearing that, that you were so new and that it, it was moth to flame. And that's really how it felt for all of us. There's, there's really not any other community and, and it's all, probably because I'm just so proud of Atlanta, but there's that we see that rally around this, an idea like this. I mean, to, to see chefs come together and collaborate together for one common good, um, for, you know, suppliers and vendors who, you know, relate around the food service world to come together for one purpose that just doesn't happen in any other community. Yeah. I'd say it's all, it's also an idea that, um, once you tell someone or someone hears about what the giving kitchen does and what services they provide, that, that there's this, uh, why, why, where, why, why did it take us so long to come mm-hmm. up with this? Yeah. Like this is, su- this seems like such a great idea. Yeah. Um, you know, a, an agency that helps to bring stability to food service, um, man, why did it take so long and, and how can we bring this home to, to where we are? Yeah. So that's kind of one of the, you know, the next steps and iteration for giving kitchen is to answer that question. Yeah. And I mean, you guys get to the point where, I mean, giving kitchen is a, 
is a full-on nonprofit organization benefiting the city of Atlanta, people in the industry of, you know, in times of crisis and times of need where I love it. I mean, looking at this, this is one of my favorite things that you guys have ever done. This shirt right here, this is our shift starts when yours can't. That's just, it's such a, it, it completely communicates everything that, that I know of Giving Kitchen, which is really cool. But, but you guys get to the point where Giving Kitchen is now an organization. And then you guys also get to the point where you open Staple House, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a, uh, it, it's a huge, it's a huge really imagine the, the the pinnacle moment that that really had to be it, i mean it, it was ryan um passed away in january of 2014 so he never got to see the restaurant come to full fruition although mm. he was a part of everything from the beginning yeah um and he was also there you know throughout his last 13 months to see the organization come to be even mm. if it was out of our house and out of other people's homes and yeah. um still very brand new um but it was really special and important and he was able to provide a lot of the um, you know, obviously inspiring, but just a catalyst for like our foundation of the type of organization that we wanted to be and where we knew we needed to start because of where we knew, you know, eventually we would grow and to do that strategically. And, um, and that's been through the help of our first executive director and now Brian here as our lead the last couple of years. Um, uh, but Staple House did open in September of 2015 and incredibly proud of that moment. And here we are, you know, three and a half, almost four years later and yeah. the restaurant is just a budding piece of energy. Yeah. And it's just a hop, skip and a jump down it the is. sidewalk right I here. I think we counted what? 80, 82 yeah, steps or something, Brian? 87, 86 steps. Yeah. But Unless my, you. By my steps. Well, Jen's steps was like one, one, two, yeah. one, two, five. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to hop, but, skip and jump perfect. down there. <laughs> It'll equal around 70. It was four hops, 19 yeah. skip. Yeah. I'm not going to do that, but, um, that's an amazing story. And every single time that I read about it or, I mean, especially sitting here with you guys and, you know, hearing so much of just, you know, going back to 2013, 2014. And I mean, I, I came into you know, kind of the middle of all of the, you know, storm and seeing where you guys are at today. I mean, you're talking about like three and a half, almost four years later of having now a restaurant that has graced, I mean, James Beard and I mean, every publication that I know, read, love, and um, it's... Uh, it's pretty special. Yeah. And... You know, so now we're sitting here on April 10th of 2019, and Brian, you know, how long have you been with the Giving Kitchen now? Uh, almost two years. Almost, almost two June, years. Right? Yep. yep. Uh, so June 1st will be two years. So give me the give me the rundown, Brian. So what is Giving Kitchen, and like kind of break down the components of the organization. For sure. Um, so for Giving Kitchen, our promise to food service is stability. Uh, we do this um, in several different ways. Um, our mission statement. Um, is that we provide emergency assistance uh, to food service workers, and we do that with um, financial aid and uh, access to, to community resources. So, you know, our bread and butter, what the Giving Kitchen has been known for, is the financial aid piece. And, you know, essentially it's like applying for a scholarship when you're a food service worker who has had an injury who's had a death in the family, who's having an, dealing with an illness, um, or dealing with a housing crisis because of a flood or a fire. Mm. And um, for, for a restaurant worker, that it actually doesn't have to just be the restaurant worker. It could also be uh, if you are a waiter or a waitress or a chef or a dishwasher, and it's your wife or husband who's dealing with those issues. You have a child who's dealing with those issues. So, um, you know, we, we really are a... Um, want to be a resource uh, for anyone in food service who's having a crisis, not just with themselves, but with, with their family. And so with the grant program, we've given away 1,500 grants over $2.4 million. 
actually wow. the other cool part about this office we well, i took a, photos of this this is high really tech cool. uh, high tech uh we <laughs> actually <laughs> i went really far down the road with some led company and we were going to have like an automatically updating thing. We could do keystrokes and oh, look at you. sales. And then like one day I was like, what the fuck what is wrong? Like, yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with me? You know, but you, you took the, uh, too. work. Yeah. yeah you, so it's you old did, uh, you did take the most perfected millennial approach of it. What is this called? What is this a felt? Yes. Felt the, board? the felt letter board. Fort letter. Mm-hmm. Felt. Fort. I can't felt. say this right. Felt, felt letter, letter board. board. That's really hard to say. Goodness gracious. And so we update that weekly, which yeah. is uh, exciting. Well, and uh, so $2,493,614.63. Boom. Holy crap, dude. Yeah, it's That's, crazy. Yeah. And what's wonderful is that most of that money has been given away in the last uh, two years. Man. Uh, so this organization, I mean, just um, is there's a lot of excitement outside the agency. Obviously yeah. the recognition staple house has gotten the recognition giving kitchens gotten. But I think what matters the most of us is that the, the number of people we've served is, is increased cumulatively as well as the number of people who've asked for help. So it isn't just yeah. us getting to people quicker through our intake process. Uh, between January and March of 2016, we had about 35 people who reached out with a serious request uh, between January, and March of 2019. So three full years later, 365 people reached Whoa. out and asked for your help. So yeah. we are, I mean, the programs team at Giving Kitchen, it is a uh, legitimate social service, health and human service powerhouse. And really proud how this team has grown and developed as, as we've really spent a lot of hard, spent a lot of time figuring out who we are and how we're gonna serve our community. They've risen to the challenge and have completely professionalized the Giving Kitchen services, systemized our processes. When we first started, everything was done by paper and over the phone, and now we're uh, all online. Uh, you can do it on the application on your phone. You can do it on your computer. You can do it um, uh, in English or in Spanish. If you're oh, wow. not technology savvy, you can come into the office and we'll help do everything for you. That's awesome. And essentially, you know, our goal is to get the right amount of money to the right people at the right time. Yeah. And so an application process really asks you to do four things. Um, Verify that you're a restaurant worker, so you upload your pay stub. Verify your crisis, so it's a doctor's note. It's a if someone passed away, it's a death certificate. If you were in an accident, it's an accident report or a fire. It's a fire report. Um, let us know what your living expenses are, and then let us know what happened. Um, and so, with those four things, we're really able to figure out: uh, is this crisis legitimate? Does this person work in food service? How much time are they going to miss from work, and how much money are they going to need to get back? And we actually, so if Jen was a restaurant worker and broke her ankle, couldn't work for four months, we'd get everything we needed from the doctor's note. And instead of writing Jen a check, that who knows where that money's going to go, uh, we write her four months worth of uh, rent checks, four months worth of checks to Georgia Power to keep the lights on, Georgia wow. Natural Gas to keep the cast to heat on, and the Atlanta, the city of Atlanta to make sure we have um, uh, water running at her house. Wow. Oh, sorry. Wow. That's amazing. So that's program one. <laughs> <laughs> we have 19, 19 more programs. Yeah. Yes. Uh, buckle up. Yeah. Second time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good this call is, back. So this is turn four for the yep, exactly. Gavin Kitchens program services. <laughs> How many more racing jokes can we add into this podcast interview? Uh, well, I can see the checkered flag and... <laughs> So uh, anywho, you guys need to take a pit stop. Huh. Oh, oh, we need so to stop. Good. Golly. So really I would say the first grant we gave away, we realized that, that someone in crisis needs more than just financial aid. Financial mm-hmm. aid is a great start. And, and also, you know, the thing about having a, a process and, a, and, and having a qualification is means you're going to have people who are in legitimate crisis who don't qualify for help. A good example is, is if I had a roommate 
and my roommate bounced on me, um, there goes my money for food or I'm going to get evicted. And that's a, that's a crisis, but yeah. it's not a crisis that we can cover. I mean, that's just not part of our criteria. And so we realized very early on that either people who didn't qualify for financial aid or people who did, but needed more, um, that we needed to, that we were kind of continually building these lists of community resources of, oh man, this is where they need to go for uh, food, food pantry, or this is where they need to go for mental health counseling. Or we got this dentist and this, this dentist called and said, we want to give away free cavity fillings. And okay, we could put, and, and all of a sudden the list that we were making of all these great resources became another program for giving kitchen. And we call that a stability network. Yeah. And so this is a, some of it's just a simple referral program and connecting people to community resources. A part of working in a restaurant or a catering agency is that you really live in a different world. The social fabric that protects and connects the rest of us is not available to someone who's working in a restaurant or, or you just don't, you don't see it. You don't experience it. You don't know about it. You're in your own special world. And so what we do with stability network is have the, 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 the incredible list of, of people and places that can help restaurant workers in crisis on hand at all times. And we're curating relationships and curating services. So someone from a restaurant or from catering, um, who, who needs a therapist, who needs a counselor, who needs a dentist, who needs a primary care physician, who needs a specialist that we're able to provide some services on a sliding scale or for free because they, they came from the giving kitchen. Yeah. It, it's amazing to hear how much Giving Kitchen has grown out of what I, I mean, probably in a, in a really good way from the early stages, probably most people knew about Giving Kitchen through Team Heidi mm-hmm. of, the, of an event, you know, and it's mm-hmm. far more than an event. I think what you guys, Brian, what you really just described is the velocity of knowledge making its way into the community for people who work in the industry. And now it is programs. It's more than just yep. financial aid. It's resources, which that can be, you know, one in the same, just as important for the person of like, Hey, we might not be able to be the one to take care of the thing that you need, but here's connecting point Correct. A to point B. Mm-hmm. And um, for us, that, that, that may one day may eclipse the the grant program. Hmm. This idea that we can be an advocate for stability in food service yeah. and um, a, a, a change agent, you know, using our place in the world, our platform in the community, which is growing uh, beyond just Atlanta, beyond Georgia, but a national platform yeah. to lift up voices and to make suggestions. And this is an opportunity for giving kitchens to have an impact on food service far beyond, uh, you know, one or two grants. It's a just transform, help be a part of the multitude of people because so many people are working on this that transforms food service, brings dignity to food service, brings humanity to food service. Um, some common sense, you know, we don't have to uh, abuse our bodies and abuse each other. Uh, there's way we can live in this world. We can love all the great things about food service without, without destroying ourselves. Yeah. Um, Jen, tell me about some of the, like specifically team Heidi and a lot of the other events. I mean, you, you guys have, um, uh, gosh, what is it? Uh, I'm going to the name Di- dining out for good is one oh, oh, um, dining, with gratitude. dining with, yeah. Oh my gosh. See, I, I need to throw in like a racing joke to redeem myself now, but you guys have a lot of events now and there's a lot of things that you guys do to help support the, the financial aid side of the business. Like tell me about like team Heidi and some of the other things that you guys do that have more of like people can be involved 
with the organization. Yeah, well, I, I have to make a shout out too to all of the volunteers who have been with mm-hmm. us since day one. And again, that's either supporting Ryan and myself and then just have become longtime Giving Kitchen supporters. But um, our volunteers and, and of course our staff are, are really what's leading this organization. Um, but, you know, Team Heidi has become our, our annual, our largest annual fundraiser for Giving Kitchen. It does provide about a third of our mm-hmm. annual budget for the year. Um, we just celebrated our most financially successful Team Heidi to date earlier this year, mm-hmm. which raised $865,000. I think I saw the check in the mm-hmm. office, right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's nice when you can write yourself your own check. Yeah. 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 Isn't that great? Like, <laughs> like, hang on, we need to get one of the big checks from the closet. Yeah. Someone, someone get the large Sharpie. Why does this not fit in the ATM? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's fun. It's very successful and it does, it, it brings um, a community together and it, it offers a really great reminder of everything that's being done throughout the year with all of our programs, with all of our, um, you know, third party, um, um, opportunities throughout the year. Um, it's just a great way to collectively kind of celebrate together. Um, and then throughout the year, there are also other opportunities like dining with gratitude, um, other third party, um, um, appreciation dinners, et cetera. So we, we, we have two peer to peer campaigns. Uh, one of them is called giving kitchen supper club, and this is based on the staple house. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, at our foundation at the heart of giving kitchen, you know, underneath all of this is staple house and prelude to staple house. And the idea that bringing people together around your home is, is a worthwhile and valuable thing. And so the idea of supper club is that people would host their own dinner, um, serve their best lasagna, pork chops, whatever it is that like your mom taught you how to do that you love, you know, on your first date at home, you impressed your wife with, um, make your friends your best, you know, give, shoot your best shot and then tell them about the giving kitchen and ask them to support your campaign. And so it's a little pass the hat around the table and you may raise $500. You may raise a couple thousand dollars. And we have some people who do like seventies disco nights and they're, they've got a bartender and a caterer and they have some people who do a crawfish boil and some people who did a simple Italian meal. And that's a really, really fun campaign and raised about twenty-four, $25,000 last year. So nice. That starts in May. So if you do decide, depending on where this podcast airs, I could either be speaking from the future. Wow, that <laughs> Supper Club 2019 was really a, a big success. Or speaking from the past, and you can iron all this out in editing. Like, hey, Supper Club starts uh, next week. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's it, it's really cool because, I mean, I love seeing, you know, how much footprint there is now throughout the year. I mean, just of what you guys have going on from, you know, from a fundraising standpoint and how people can be involved. And, I mean, you, Jen, you mentioned volunteers. I know so many people who have been volunteering with Giving Kitchen now for, I don't know. Years. 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 Yeah. I mean, yeah. more more like they're like celebrating another team, Heidi. You know, it's it's incredible, you know, just to see like how many people have that badge, you know? Absolutely. Really cool. It is. It's a badge of honor. I was going to say one of my favorite um, uh, parts of the stories is, you know, we will have um, a grant recipient um, who's in need in crisis and they are uh, benefited, you know, by the, the services that we're able to provide. And then all of a sudden, a few months later, they're in the office and they're helping file papers That's or... Awesome whatever it may be it's pretty special yeah you guys are doing some amazing things in terms of community where it's so much of the family side is totally there if you've ever worked in a restaurant like people have your back you know Mm -hmm. it's like hey you're like i'm not gonna let you you know working on the line you know we're not gonna get crushed by service like i got your back you know but it kind of goes outside of the kitchen too and like people's lives just get turned upside down and i mean 
shit happens. Mm-hmm. Really bad shit happens, you know, and um, it's really cool. And I mean, you know, speaking of growth in the community and um, hard work going very much to the point of incredible recognition, you guys are the recipient of James Beard Award. Are you serious? Oh, wait, you didn't know? (laughs) Brian, let me tell you about Giving Kitchen. Wow. Hang on. Let me just, let me me just, let me just rewind real quick. Um, But tell me about that. It's, I've, I think for the first few weeks when we were doing interviews, I'd try to act like, oh, we're just so proud for Atlanta. This, it is fucking incredible. It's one of the best things that's for our team. And, And when I think about what makes me so proud is is for the people who work here and for the board. Uh, and then personally, it has been an incredible recognition. Um, people have thrown and they're they've thrown it all into Giving Kitchen. They've poured their hearts into this organization, and to see um, that being recognized at a national level this this early in our history as an organization is uh, if it's an incredible feeling. I absolutely agree. It, it makes me just really proud for not only Atlanta, but what we as an organization are going to be able to, to provide um, after this. You know, we, I think we are, you know, beyond honored, um, definitely. But just realizing this is a really amazing platform that we have to tell our story, um, to share our story to new audiences, and to make sure that we are um, doing exactly what we've promised. Um, and that's again, to provide stability to, to food service workers. So it's a great platform to be yeah, able to stand and, on. And you know, our message in Chicago is going to be really simple. Um, you know, we have every intention of being a national organization. The, the need is there, uh, that we believe the funding is there and the will is there. Uh, but it's going to take a long time. Uh, do not wait on the giving kitchen. Mm. Do not wait on us. There is no, there are so many things that you can do, uh, as a restaurant owner, as a restaurant manager, as a line cook, as a dishwasher, there are so many things that all of us can in, that can do to improve the living conditions of men and women working in food service. And so one of the, the messages that we're going to convey is, hey, go to our website because we pulled some of those resources together. And so that's going to be one of our big announcements at uh, the, the James Beard Awards is you know, what the Giving Kitchen can do from a, a guidelines and references perspective in terms of Hey, does your restaurant have a sexual harassment policy? Do you have mm-hmm. a reporting structure? Um, have you built a, you know, we've created our own stability network for Atlanta. You know, do you know the resources in your community in Des Moines or Santa Fe yeah. or Denver? Where, where's your local homeless shelter? Where's your food pantry? If you have someone who has a house fired, you know who to call. Right. And just little inexpensive things that you can do to improve the working conditions of the people uh, in your restaurant. So, yeah. And I think for you guys to have that platform too, I mean, I, it's, it's so interesting too. I mean, it kind of makes me think of, you know, I mean, I, I don't work directly in the restaurant industry anymore. I've, I've worked in restaurants in my life, but like now I just, I'm, I'm more connected with people just socially or, you know, I, I dine in their restaurants or, um, but with it being something that is so, um, to me in a really great way, the, the giving kitchen is so common to me for Atlanta, but I think about the person who is moving to Atlanta or is not in the know about the work that you guys are doing or that the organization is doing, I can't wait to see how this might spread to other cities, you know, and, and, and create a different movement or, you know, something of a different, um, you know, I don't know, chapter of, of giving kitchen in another city. I mean, I, I think you guys are, are given a, a pretty incredible megaphone. Yeah. There's, you know, if you look back at the winners of the humanitarian deer awards, these are people who've done some incredible, incredible things. Yeah. But a lot of it has been from a place of I I am from food service and I will serve the world. 
Right. And the difference for the giving kitchen is we are from food service and we will serve food service. And it's about serving those who serve us every day. Right. And to have the attention of the people in the room who I think we sometimes forget that we all, the, if you want to make a difference in food service, start from your kitchen. It's like Andre 3000 says, you want to make a difference, start from your corner. Um, You're such an Atlanta guy. That's me. Um, and so, <laughs> well, you know, with that in mind, this is, it, it really, it's, it's, it's our time. Yep. It's our time to, to stop and say, what can we do for ourselves? Uh, what can we do for our industry and, you know, for the giving kitchen to be able to lead on that? It's an incredible opportunity. Yeah. Well, guys, I, um, to this day, I just love the story that you guys have created and especially everything that you guys are doing to impact people's lives. It's, it's amazing work to be able to follow. I mean, even like sitting with people like Anne Quattrono, hearing her story, knowing people's lives that her restaurants have touched and yeah. sitting with the team from sure. Kimball house and Watchman's mm-hmm. and <laughs> how many of the, like the, the family tree of Atlanta restaurants. It really is incredible. It's incredible. And it's so like the, the branches are so tight. I together. wish I would, I really do wish someone would draw the family tree map sometime so, of like Decatur, Atlanta. Yes. And, and Judith Winfrey and I uh-huh. chatted about this from, um, from peach dish and someone has to take this. Like, so if you're listening to this and you're a designer or something like that, um, someone needs to do that because it mm-hmm. would be really, really cool to see. And I, I think past, present, and then mm-hmm. just like all of the connection because mm-hmm. it's amazing. But you guys are a huge part of that. It's so it's so cool. And I love it because you know, the dopey thing that I say here on the podcast is I, I, I want to hear and tell the stories or help tell the stories of people who make Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. And having that type of infrastructure and adding back years to people's lives and support and love and community is a huge part of that. Well, I want to say one more thing before we end, because I think this is going to be an opportunity that giving kitchen is going to offer beyond even, um, what you'll hear about in May. Um, this time last year, our staff took suicide prevention training Hmm. and it was offered by the QPR Institute that stands for question pursuit, question, persuade and refer. Um, and it's designed to be like CPR for suicide prevention. It's, mm. it's very straightforward, uh, much like how CPR is designed to essentially stabilize someone and get them to the hospital so that that person can, you know, give them a trach or sew up their heart or figure out whatever it is. QPR is designed to um, not turn all of us into uh, someone who can help you deal with depression or help you deal with the su- issues of self-harm. It's very straightforward. It's a very simple training. Our whole team did it. And then about a month later, Anthony Bourdain passed away Mm. and our, our phones rang off the hook. Wow. And we were talking to people almost every day about suicide and and what we had learned and and the best way to answer questions. And so when we start getting ready for the James Beard award and we start thinking about resources we can offer our community, um, suicide prevention kind of rose to the top of the list. and, And we reached out directly to this QPR Institute. This is one of the most important suicide prevention tools in the United States. It's a widely used program and um, talked directly to their president and said, we're going to have this moment, the James Beard Awards, and we'd like to be able to share uh, your resources. Um, They have an incredible online training tool. Mm. It's $30 a person. Um, We've now all taken it since uh, we did the in-person training just to make sure that the training was similar 
uh, in quality, and it was. Uh, the people who had never taken him before immediately felt better equipped to deal with someone who is uh, contemplating suicide. And one of the things that we're going to announce at the James Beard Awards and one of the things I'd like to for your podcast listeners to consider is that the Giving Kitchen will pay for suicide prevention training for any restaurant worker in the United States. Wow. And that what we're going to offer is that you can bring someone from your restaurant can have the same level of training that we have and the ability to deal with someone who's considering self-harm. Uh, and that opportunity is going to run uh, in May and June and potentially beyond that. And I um, really hope that this is something the Atlanta community takes advantage of. Uh, I will tell you, when you talk about changing people's lives and adding years onto people's lives, this will be one of the most important things a Giving Kitchen that ever does and is ever a part of. So um, it takes an hour. It is free if you go through the Giving Kitchen. And we would love for all your listeners who are involved in food service or not. Uh, to come to our website and take this uh, free suicide prevention training from the QPR Institute. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I'll definitely, I want to make sure that people can, you know, in, in the fewest clicks possible, make their way there. So that's a huge resource and a boon to, I mean, people's lives in the industry. That's amazing, guys. It really is. Oh, thanks. Well yeah. <laughs> um, well, guys, thanks again for Thank sharing you. your story. This was Thank such you. an honor to sit with you. And um, yeah, I guess in just like a sh- couple short weeks, we'll be watching you guys on, well, I'll be watching you via live stream at the James Beard Awards. Al- along with trip. Yeah. Oh, geez. Now I'm, now I'm nervous. Ben's going to be watching. <laughs> oh, well, who am I? I mean, oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, this is great. I mean, because that's why I host a podcast. People can't even see my face. That's why I like it. I kind of have like a hedge of protection. But that's right. anyway. But, um, but Jen, Brian, thank you guys thank you. again. So right. such one, an honor. One more racing pun, but we can't end. Until um, goodness. Uh, oh, no. Time to put it it's in my park. Turn. There you know. go. <laughs> do you put a race car in is park? That the, is the one in, is where they pour milk everywhere? Or is that, what do they do? I just, that actually perfect. is how we end it. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Miles is, um, Miles has been here the entire time. And, and he has been silent the whole time. Yeah. But he's, he's ready. He's, he um, saw the dog. Yep. Like, Let's he's, wrap it up. Yes. yes. Time to, <laughs> time to start your end. Okay. Bye everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Have a good Thank one. you. <laughs> Many thanks go out to Jen, Brian, and the entire Giving Kitchen team for having me in their office to record this episode. And the work that these people are doing right here in Atlanta and throughout the entire state is paramount. And if you or someone you know would benefit from learning more about Giving Kitchen or if you would like to get involved or even support them, visit them at givingkitchen.org. And also, you can download the app that they have, which is packed with even more information that you can share with people right from the palm of your hand. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Getz, and if you like what you hear, you can support the show right now for just $5 a month on Patreon. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry, 